Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you here, and I will tell you it's a privilege for me to be here. As was mentioned earlier, I go to Grace Chapel. We're the the church that's kind of hidden behind Home Depot back there, but it's great to see you here and your faithfulness that I've heard about. This morning, if if I was to ask you, what is the most important relationship in your life? What would you answer? Some of us would say immediately, well, that's my spouse. Others might say, that's my children. Some of us might say, well, well, that would be my parents or maybe one parent. I have a special relationship with my mother. Some of us might even say, well, most important relationship in my life is so-and-so. We've been friends since grade school. We've seen each other through thick and thin. Some of us would say my most important relationship is with Jesus. And for those of you who answered that way, if I had a gold star, I would give it to you. You see, that is the correct response. But let's be truthful. Not all of us that answered that way answered that way because it's true. You see, some of us may be thinking right now that didn't answer Jesus. We might be thinking, well, uh, uh, Terry, I, I thought you meant a person, a human being, so, someone, you know, uh, alive. Unfortunately, folks, from our heart, our mouth speaks. And if we came up with a different answer than Jesus Christ, then I would challenge you as I challenge myself to really reconcile that difference in your life. Now, there may be some of you here that have absolutely no clue what I'm talking about when I talk about a relationship with Jesus Christ. To those folks, let me take just a moment and talk to you directly. You see, Jesus Christ was God's only Son. He was sent here on earth to save you and I from the sins that we would commit. The penalty of those sins is death. Jesus came because of God's grace and mercy to give us salvation, so we did not have to pay that price. Death, our separation from God, is eternal. Salvation through Jesus Christ is also eternal, but it's life in heaven with our Lord and Savior. If you have questions about that, I would encourage you to see me or probably many others in this congregation and seek the answers to your questions. So now back to those of us who answered correctly or those of us who wish we had answered correctly. I have a central truth for you that I want to present today. And that central truth is this, that Jesus Christ is your most important and your most valuable relationship. Now, my wife, Rhonda, she is uh, fulfilling duties at our other church this morning. She and I have over the years facilitated, if you will, a number of marriage classes. And we love the material that's by Jimmy and Karen Evans. I don't know if you're familiar with them. But they have a book and video series called Marriage on the Rock. And that's Marriage on the Rock, not Marriage on the Rocks. There's a big difference there. It's the rock of Jesus Christ. And in that material, 
what Jimmy and Karen present in the first section of that, they term as the four foundational laws of marriage. And I believe they're absolutely accurate in presenting these foundational laws. What they're trying to say is if you want to have a great relationship with your spouse, if you want to have good communication and you want to show love, honor, and respect, you need to be doing these four things. Well, as I thought about those four things, I thought, if those things are so important in a marriage relationship, how much more important would those things be in our most important relationship, our relationship with Jesus Christ? So we're going to look at those four foundational laws of marriage, but we're not going to look at it in the context of a marriage relationship. We're going to look at it in the context of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to look at them as four essentials for a great relationship with Jesus. The first essential is this. It's the essential of priority. You see, Jesus wants to be our first priority. Nothing else before Jesus. Exodus 20, verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods before me. You see, anything that comes before Jesus in your life becomes a God. And it puts him at least at second place. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all those things will be added to you. All those things are all the worldly things. Matthew 22.33-38 says, And He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Jesus wants to be first in your life. Well, how do we show priority? Well, one of the ways is through sacrifice. So what are you willing to give up for your relationship with Jesus? You know, I find it interesting, various men's groups that I'm a part of, we'll we'll talk about relationships and Eventually, you know, you get a bunch of guys together and there's a little too much testosterone in the room or something. And and we talk about what we're willing to do to protect our family, what we're willing to do to, you know, protect our wife. And many of those guys will say, if there's gunfire raining down somewhere, I'm standing in front of my wife, my my kids, I'll take a bullet for them. I will die for my family. Nothing wrong with that, except I always come back and ask those guys, if your relationship with your wife is that important, do you love and honor and respect her? Do you do little things like open the car door? If you're, We say we're willing to do the big things, but do we really even do the little things? What are we willing to sacrifice for those relationships that are important, particularly the relationship with Jesus Christ. The second thing we do to show priority is we give time to the things that are important to us. Do you give time to Jesus? You see, if you give your time, it proves to Him He's your priority. 
Third thing we do is we give energy to show priority. You put forth energy into a relationship. You put forth energy into the things that are important to you. I would ask you, how much energy do you put into your relationship with Jesus? A fourth thing we do that shows priority is attitude. Do you love spending time with Jesus or is it a chore? You see, our attitude shows priority. Now, all of us put forth some effort this morning to be here. I remember what it was like when I had children. It was a lot of effort to get to church on Sunday morning. It seemed like it was more effort to get to church on Sunday morning than it was to get the kids ready for school during the week. I'm pretty sure what's at play there, but we all put forth some effort. Were we happy about it, or was it a chore for us to be here this morning to hear God's Word? Energy and attitude show priority. And by the way, these four things, time, sacrifice, energy, and attitude, those are not one and dones. Do them once and it's over. Those are daily activities, just like eating and drinking. Every day. Put forth the effort to make Jesus a priority in your life. The second essential to have a great relationship with Jesus Christ is the essential of pursuit. Now, the Bible calls this seeking. Colossians 3, 1 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek or pursue the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now think back, if you will, to perhaps your high school days, college days, when you pursued something. Could have been an individual, perhaps a future spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend at that time. It could have been some academic things that you pursued. Might have been sports. But you put forth great effort to do those things. They were important to you. If you were pursuing a boyfriend or girlfriend you always put forth your best side you always washed your car before you went on a date you wore your best clothes you made sure your hair was you put forth great effort to pursue whatever it is that was in front of you now for i would tell this whether my wife is here or not so don't think i'm telling something i shouldn't tell but when we were dating And my wife would tell you that we never really dated. She was in Texas and I was here. So we spent a lot of time on the phone. We talked all the time. This was back in 1996. And for those of us who remember, that's when cell phone minutes were expensive. So I called her one month. It was the month of November. I called her. So many times on my cell phone that my cell phone bill just to her for that month was $700. My home phone bill was another $200 just to her. I was in pursuit. It was important to me to pursue her. I thought it would be cheaper to marry the woman, but I was wrong about that. That's a whole different sermon series, I'm afraid. But my point is this. We pursue what's important to us. We put forth energy. We put forth time, money, effort, all of those things to pursue 
I'm going to take a little bit of license here with Jeremiah 29.13. You shall pursue me and find me when you pursue me with all your heart. Now, Scripture says that we reap what we sow. I think it's also accurate to say that we reap what we pursue. How do you pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, let me give you a couple of things you don't do. You see, most of us have a kind of standard prayer. We sit down to eat a meal and we pray over it. How many times do we just say the same thing over and over? We, you know, we pray for the food, pray for our kids, we pray for this, pray for that. Or some of us grew up in environments where you memorize prayers and you said them by rote. I don't believe that is true pursuit of a great relationship with Jesus. See, we need to feel the words and mean each word that we pray. We need to pray from our heart and remember that we're speaking those words to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Fresh words, fresh prayers. Another thing that we don't do when we pursue is while you're sitting here, and I, I granted it, it may be more interesting to you to be making out your shopping list than to be listening to me preach. I get that. But where's your attention? Are you pursuing the words of Jesus, the words we have in the Bible? When your mind's somewhere else, that's not pursuing a great relationship with Jesus Christ. Another way that we pursue that relationship is we don't just squeeze him in when you have a couple of spare minutes. You make time, whether it's convenient or not, you make time to make him first. I should tell you, my dad is a Southern Baptist preacher in Texas. He's retired now. He's not, he's 99 years old. And probably for as long as I can remember, we've talked about having a quiet time every morning. Nothing new to you guys. Give your first minutes to Jesus. Well, I got to tell you, that is really, really hard for me to do. So I'm not, I'm not of the bent that says you have to give your very first minutes. I think that if you can do that, that is great. That's awesome. I think it starts your day off better. But my point is this. You have dedicated time to spend with Jesus. Not just when it's convenient, but dedicated time. You want to make time to be still, to listen for Him, and you want to be careful when you hear Him speak that you're willing to do what He's asked you to do. That's pursuing His will for your life. And a fourth way that we pursue a great relationship with Jesus is we read His Word. If you want to know something about someone, you talk to them, you meet with them, you share time with them. If they're passed away, you read biographies, autobiographies, anything, any information you can find. If they're really important to you, you find out about them. Everything we need to know about Jesus Christ is right here. We just pursue His Word. Psalm 9.10 says, Those who know Your name trust in You, for You, Lord, 
have never forsaken those who pursue you. Well, the third essential to a great relationship with Jesus Christ is the essential of possession. Now, this is where you totally surrender your individual identity and your individual will for the identity of Christ. And you submit your will to His. You become His possession. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. 1 Peter 2, 9 But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of the darkness into His marvelous light. We're His possession, folks. How do we show possession? One thing you can do is repent of your dominance. What I mean about that is the dominance that you have over your own life. Seeking your own will, seeking your own way, making your own choices apart from God or apart from what God has called you to do. Another thing that we can do is remove your selfishness. Be willing to yield to God's will. See, we need to develop an attitude that says it's all His. We talk about that in church when we take an offering. We say it's it's all His anyway. But you know what? Our entire life is all His. We need to not be selfish in the way we spend our life because of what we want. We need to yield that to Him. Another way is that you can reevaluate your protection of any area that you might be keeping God out of. Now, that could be your finances. It could be your activities. It could be old habits. It could be things that you think are secret. It could be new relationships. It could be old relationships. You see, I've felt for a long time that many of us have what I term a black box. And we keep that black box locked up and it's hidden deep in our soul. And we don't want anybody to know what's in that black box. We think it's where nobody can see it, nobody knows We fool ourselves in thinking that God doesn't even know what's in there. We all know better than that. God knows what's in there. But the things that we keep locked away, the things that we keep in the dark, keep us from having a great relationship from Jesus Christ. So we need to open that box and give that to God. He knows it's there anyway, and it's a freedom for us not to have to carry that box of burdens around with us anymore. See, possession gives that black box to Jesus. I came across this quote, and it's one of those quotes that it didn't say who it was from, so I don't know who to give the credit to. 
But it says this, remember, you are a treasure by God. You are eternally God's possession. There will never be a time when you are not God's possession. You're his possession eternally. If he claims you as his possession, he intends to keep you. I find great peace and security in that. The fourth essential for a great relationship with Jesus Christ is the essential of purity. And this is the willingness to be totally exposed, totally transparent, and honest with God. You know, purity isn't very popular these days. Matter of fact, I want you to think for just a minute, when's the last time you heard the word used in a sentence, or perhaps the last time you used the word in a sentence? Unless you're a jeweler and you're describing the characteristics of a diamond, or perhaps you're referring to something as pure gold, we don't use that word a lot. You see, the Bible talks about pure gold in Revelation. Pure meaning, in the case of gold, is it's 100% gold. There's nothing else there. For you and I, purity oftentimes means clean. Clean means no dirt. So for purity for us means get the dirty out. We need to get the dirty out of our lives. Second Corinthians seven one says, Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves, get rid of the dirty from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So how do we pursue purity? Well, the first way is you increase your desire to please God. You do that by fearing Him, respecting Him, honoring Him, worshiping Him, obeying Him, cherishing Him, and loving Him. Another way that you pursue purity is to choose to live transparently. You demonstrate honesty and integrity, transparency. You desire a clean life, clean from corruption and clean from compromise. I would say that every day we are faced with opportunities to compromise. We're even sometimes forced by other, I, be, I, I better be careful here. <laughs> we are sometimes forced by other authorities to compromise. And I say we stand strong. We stand on Jesus' word, not the word of some other authority other than this. A third way that we pursue purity is to know what is appropriate and excellent. If you ever have any questions about what's appropriate and excellent, this is a great source to find out what that is. Honor your body and the Lord who redeemed it. See, we should strive for a blameless reputation before God and before men. What makes us different than everyone else? 
our relationship with Jesus Christ should make us different. A fourth way that we pursue purity is to love others and to stay humble. We need to serve others selfishly and sacrificially. See, I believe our relationship with Jesus should be a love story. I googled great love stories. And frankly, I was surprised what came up. Cleopatra and Mark Anthony came up. I can go with that. Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde, really? There was a another one that came up. It was Shah Jahan and Mumtaz Mahal. They were married. She had given birth to, I believe it was 14 children, died in childbirth. But Shah Jahan loved her so much, he created a memorial to her that you and I know as the Taj Mahal. Edward VII and Wallace Simpson, if you know that story, she was a divorced woman. He gave up his throne to marry her because it was against the customs of that day to marry a divorced woman. Pierre and Madame Curie, and and the list went on. But you know what I didn't find on Google? I didn't find any great love stories about Jesus. Now, I don't know if you should aspire to be on Google or not, but it seems to me it would be a great thing if you Googled great love stories and your name and Jesus showed up, or my name and Jesus showed up. Wouldn't it be great to live a life that others saw, and when they talked about your life, they talked about what a great love for Jesus that person had. Priority, pursuit, possession, purity. I encourage you to seek those things in your relationship with Jesus. A number of years ago, there was a lady in France who was she was getting ready to sell her home. So she brought a, an auctioneer in, an appraiser, to give a value of the things that she had in her home so she could sell them. The auctioneer walked in, looked around, and he immediately spotted over on the wall a painting right above her hot plate. And he recognized that painting as a lost piece of art from a 13th century Florentine artist. Painting was that of Jesus' crucifixion. That painting sold at auction for $26.8 million. Now I can imagine the conversation that happened between that auctioneer appraiser and this lady. I can imagine that he said, Ma'am, do you have any idea what you have here? Do you have any idea how valuable that is. Well, I'm going to ask you the same thing. you have any idea what you have in your relationship with Jesus Christ? And do you have any idea how valuable it is? I'll close the sermon with prayer. We'll continue with worship. Father, we are truly grateful for Your Son, Jesus. We thank You for His love. 
We thank you for the salvation we have through him that you provided so that we could spend eternity with you, our creator. Father, I pray that you will guide our hearts, our lives, our actions, our attitudes, that we would live a life that shows our great love for your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Amen.